Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Eli Byrne is a 22-year-old Wexford, Wexford student and a member of Young Fine Gael. And Eli has um, penned a, a new document, a justice document, calling for tougher sentences. Eli, you say that life should mean life. Hi, Andrea. Thanks very much for having me on. I hope you're well. So, yes, that particular headline is in relation to one of the many proposals we have in the document. Um, so, basically, under the current law in Ireland, judges must impose a mandatory life sentence for murder. They can impro- impose life imprisonment for crimes such as murder and rape. Um, but the Parole Act, as it stands, um, you can have a situation where someone who is sentenced to life in prison can be up for parole um, after serving 12 years of their sentence and potentially be released back into the community. And we feel that the provision should be given to judges to hand down whole life sentences because I think for, for one, it would give victims and their families more certainty because a lot of the stories I've listened to and people I've talked to, they've said that they're in a situation where they believe the perpetrator is going to prison for life because they've been given a life sentence. And then they find out, say, after 12 years, that they've actually been released back into the community very close to them. So that's one issue there. And I think that I don't think that um, this needs to be applied um, for every single case. Obviously, you cannot solve crime by just getting the key, locking people away and throwing it away. But I do believe, and this is what we're calling for with that proposal, that for the most heinous crimes, that you should have the option and judges should have the option to impose an actual life sentence and for life to mean life. So it's actually, it's the parole really is, and, and the ability to go before the, the, the parole board as such, that's, that's the, the real issue that you have, Eli, with this. Yes, the people that, are eligible for parole true. after a certain point. Yes, in and obviously I I have no problem with parole in general. It's just for the most extreme cases, and I think that a lot of people would agree that there are cases in which the option should be available to say this person will spend the rest of their life in prison. Uh, Brian is with us on the line as well, Eli. I want to hear listeners' um, views on this today or your, your experiences. You can give us a call. You can send me a WhatsApp either. It's 87 Brian, do you agree with Eli on this? Can you hear me okay, Brian? I think I can hear the, the radio in the background. Yes, you can hear me all right, Brian. How are you? Do you agree yeah, with yeah. Eli? Um, not so much. Uh, no, no. Uh, first of all, we can't lock them all up, right? We're talking about the youngsters committing crime. Do you know, Brian, I'll just cut across you for a moment there if you, if you can just maybe turn the radio down in, in the background and I'll, I'll come back to you maybe in a moment. Anthony is with us. Anthony, do you agree with Eli on this? Um, partly, yeah. I, I mean, to, to, to what he's talking about, heinous crime, the amount of heinous crime, okay, is is quite small, probably, for, for, for the size of the country. It, it, it's actually, if you drop down a couple of levels below that of the crime that's happening on a daily basis, as you can see on the streets. Even I think last night there, there was somebody uh, stabbed in Talbot Street or whatever, even though it's not life-threatening. But 
this is getting to be an everyday occurrence. And I, I think part of the problem with the judicial system is it's too soft. Suspended concurrence, suspended sentences, people just going up, suspended sentence and back out again. Um, is partly due to the, you know, has has, has the city the way it is. Um, there's not a deterrent. There's a, 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 there's really jail as a deterrent. Cost and the taxpayer probably, I think it was last time they did figures and it was over 80, 80 grand a year to keep someone incarcerated in jail. So, I mean, the, the prison system is, is not being utilised properly. I mean, we have cases of people, I know it's probably only for the day, going to jail for not paying a TV licence as far as mm. you know. Um, so it's just uh, in general, is, it's uh, tougher sentencing. Is you, you, you believe we, we like we need tougher sentencing? Yeah, but in order in order to make space, they they they, they got to sort of radicalise this the system and 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 say, look, listen, we've people here that really don't need to be here and could be either doing community work or doing something or whatever, as opposed to being in prison. And then you know, for the the, the hardcore, which okay, uh, 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 of of. You say the, the, the serious offenders, which is okay. It's not huge, but it is increasing. I mean, from from the time when we were young to the amount you say the amount of deaths that you'd read in the paper through, you know, stabbings or things like that or murders, where was little or nothing. Now it's an everyday occurrence. So it is it is an increasing an increasing problem. So obviously, yes, uh, keeping these people locked away is. Is, is is certainly paramount in relation to the problem. I, I, I just think the bigger picture is it lies below that level of what's happening on a daily basis. Mm. You know, to like those English tourists that got hopped on there last week in in Temple Bar and the that poor American guy down yeah, on Talbot Street. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where the call so, for me lies. And it's so it's and and Eli, are you like what what is your your call? Because you're a member, as I mentioned, of the Young Finnegale Party. Obviously, um, you're the you know the Justice Minister is 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 a Finnegale colleague. So, like, do you want do you want that looked at? Like the idea of what would be regarded as nearly the assault that we see every day on the street. We'll hear another listener's story a little bit later in the programme too, but is it just the crimes at the more extreme end that you're you're worried about? No, no, no. Of course, we, we want to address the current situation as well. And just to speak to a few of Anthony's points, actually, I think it's an absolutely excellent contribution he's made about the lower level crimes and the ineffectiveness of sending someone to prison for a short period of time. And another one of our proposals talks about the ineffectiveness of prison sentences of 12 months and less. That refers to um, studies that have been done in Scotland. So I'm glad he's brought that up. And with the concurrent sentences as well, there has been a lot of talk about how that diminishes the kind of seriousness of the crime, especially from the victim's perspective. Yeah. But just to go to your point, Andrea, we want the current situation looked at as well. And the minister has been very good with engaging with us. We presented the justice document to her in early July and she was very receptive to it. So we're hoping... Yeah, but that will we're anything change? To... Well, that's kind of what uh, our job is now to kind of make sure that we... Okay. Um, well, we'll get, see what the listeners, the listeners, listeners think of it. What about you, Brian? Um, do, you, like, do you think we need to look at parole and at what point parole comes, you know, should be taken into account? Well, that is a problem, I, I admit. But, like, the thing is, the major problem is where do you put them? You know, the prisons are full to the, to the seams right, at the moment, right? Now, in the past, we had places like St. Patrick's Institution, and it just became an academy of crime for young, young offenders, okay? Now, that was a, a prison regime, 
and it was later closed down because it was thought it was too it was it was not suitable for for young offenders. Stanley had a place down in Spike Island that was burned down. Okay, there's nowhere to put them. That's the absolute truth. So it's no use saying we give them longer sentences. Like the prisons at the moment haven't the space to do stuff like that. So you have to deal with that first. Bigger prisons. Yeah, you have more, more if you want to. If you're going down that road, route, then you have to think of building more prisons because we just don't have the capacity at present to accommodate that amount of of uh, incarceration. You know, particularly if we're going to increase the, the sentences, like that's going to increase the the, the 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 need for accommodation. So you know, it has a whole, it has a lot of of. Uh, uh, un- unplanned consequences in it, you know, which haven't really been addressed uh, in that in that uh, gentleman's uh, um, paper, which he's written. You know, there are a lot of unforeseen consequences, which, you know, on the surface, the thing looks very simple. And, you know, give them higher sentences. But where do you put them? You know, that's the question I'm asking. Mm. More Well, more, more prisons, Eli, is, the, 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 is, is really what's needed then, is it? I would agree with that, but I acknowledge Brian's point that uh, we are at capacity under the current prison system and that I think community sanctions orders need to be utilised more so that we're not throwing people in, as I said, for the 12-month census, which do not rehabilitate people. And we also need to look at whether our prison systems are fit for purpose in the sense that I've talked to people about the Swedish and Scandinavian systems and how they actually are aimed at reintegrating people and educating people back into society and I would advocate it looking towards that. But isn't that, that what happens in some that. cases? Isn't that what happens? People go before the parole board after a certain point and then often potentially released back into the community. Absolutely and that's tremendous if they're if they've come through the system and they're coming out the other side. That's what I want to see. I want to see people coming back into the community. But what the the sentencing um that we're talking about here is for a very small minority of cases, as I said, at the extreme end. So mm. I don't think it, it would not result in a greater increase in the prison's population. Would that give you some comfort then, Brian? Uh, I don't know. I think the whole thing has to be really thought a little, a little finer than, than what's being thought at the moment. The idea of giving whole life sentences, just to click on that for a minute, the, the point about that is we had a recent thing in America where the the group of, of girls who were incarcerated for the Manson murders, okay? They had come up for parole, some of them 25 times, and it was torn down by the governor. Um, and then eventually one of them now has been released after something like 55 years in prison. It's She's an old woman, you know? So you ask yourself, what was accomplished by keeping that woman in for 55 years? Okay. What about That's you? That's my point. Let me just bring in Donal as well, um, Brian. If Donal too on the line, um, what point did you want to make, Donal, about this? Where all the conversations, the the proposals, and all, they're all based around manifestations of an underlying cause. The and it's growing. That's the problem. The underlying cause is growing, and it's this: they're entitled to. Do. They're entitled. They have that feeling of entitlement out there that's been stroked by left-wing politicians. And the current government are doing nothing to counter that. What we're experiencing are manifestations of that, and we've got to get to the cause. So it's the crime on the street, is it? No, no. Any crime on it. Like, if a guy... And and go to the extreme, if you like. 
you commit murder, you're gone, mate. My friend, my wife, my brother, sister, someone else's friend, wife, brother, sister, is gone for life, you're gone for life. I don't want to hear about these. What have we accomplished? These people take life. Now, remember, it's not manslaughter. It's deliberate murder. You go for life. That's it. There can be no... Uh, the punishment... No parole. Must be. No. The punishment must be a deterrent. If it's not, forget about it. Send them off to an island. Now, the question of not having enough jails for young fellas, we have enough jails on the continent. Put them over there. We're all in Europe. Every time we go to the bank, interest rate, oh, we're global. We're global with the crime, the punishment as well. Put them over in Holland where they have plenty of room. You understand? But these are just patches. They're just kind of band-aid. The underlying problem of what we have here is and you hear it every day when the left-wing politicians stand up. All the poor creators. Just the, the robbing of the ATM machines, which I call it because of a mistake. Look at them. Look at the greed lined up to take yeah, that well, money that's not there. You can't blame the left-wing politicians for that, though. Of course you do. The next morning it was out. They were all out. You know, oh, it's not the fault of the people. Where did this come from? You have to go and work for a living. If you want something, you have to go and work and earn money for it and save it and invest it or spend it on what you want. The idea that someone else has to, it has to be taken off someone else and given to you because you're prepared to give the son of a bitch that's going to do that for you your vote. Do you, you, you're, you just we think we're soft? We polite society. What? You think we're too soft, Donald and Crane? Look, it's like, you know, these politicians break your legs and they come running with crutches over a great lot. It's this type of patchwork that they're at. We've got to get away from that. We have, you know, people on welfare, you're on welfare for life. It's becoming a standard of living. And, and now we have these sociologists saying, oh, it's because of the bad standard of living that everyone... It's not. It's not that at all. It's these guys thinking, men and women, that they're entitled. They're entitled to have what I have after working a lifetime do you, do you, or you. Do you agree or with that, Brian? someone else is working a lifetime. Do you agree with that, Brian? There are certain um, hardcore, as I put it, uh, elements who... Irrespective of what you do with them, they they will not uh, co- convert to any any better way of living. Um, I I agree with that, you know. But whether um, whether they're all on social welfare or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that um, you know we can't. There's no quick fix for what's going on at the moment, right? Some people say it's to do with the amount of free space which was there during the COVID that these kids were allowed to run riot and now that they've actually uh, you know the genie is out of the bottle that they can do it that um, it's going to be harder to stop them. Now I don't know what really the answer is for that whether it's more Gardaí or whether we should adopt the, the same um, We seem um, to want the Gardaí on every street in the country. Like, well, no, that, it's see, like it's, it's nearly becoming ridiculous. But there has to be a fear there of Gardaí that fear and respect go hand in glove, right? Mm. You see, if you go to France, Paris, I've gone there, there's a respect for the police over there. Yeah. Rome is the same. You don't mess with them. You don't start calling them names in the street. You don't even take photographs of them. 
Do you know, like there's a fear yeah. of them. When, and respect no, I take comes your point. Uh, yeah, I'm McLean, that, I'm to agree this with business you. of we have to go, we have to have, you know, um, uh, by consent is a bit ridiculous at the moment because yeah. there is no consent with these people. No, there's no fear. I mean, you're absolutely spot on about that, uh, Brian. I mean, people seem to have such little fear of authority and, and to the point around like sentencing and harsher sentencing. We just like I understand the concept of not wanting to lock people up if there is rehabilitation can help and it won't happen again. But you're like every every day nearly. Well, maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but every week we're hearing about constant um, between robberies, assaults, and people that have you know done it two, three, four, a hundred times before, and zero punishment for it. We'll actually hear another story to to that point a little bit later in the program as well. Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan, weekdays at midday on News Talk. We're talking about prison sentences and tougher sentencing and we heard from um, Eli there a few moments ago who's a member of the Young Fine Gael Party. They've put together this justice document for the minister and they basically want uh, to give judges the power to hand down a minimum term sentence or a whole term sentence uh, to people convicted of the most heinous crimes and sentenced to life imprisonment because at the moment, yes, there is a life sentence, but in many cases, people can be eligible for parole after 12 years. Not always necessarily granted, but there is the eligibility point. And we're chatting about this today. I'm just in, I'm interested in your own thoughts and views on it. Um, James is with us on the line. James, what's your view on sentencing and the need for tougher prison sentences? Afternoon to you, Andrea. Um, look, if you murder somebody deliberately, if you go out to murder somebody, life should mean life. You should never step step outside of prison again. What we also need to do is, and someone else mentioned about St. Patrick's, you know, prisons need to be tough places. People need to fear going there. Not, you know, going in, having Sky Sports every day, you know, playing pool, and just basically hanging around all day, which there's no incentive for people not to commit crime because there's no punishment there. Now, someone else also mentioned... Um, about prison spaces. Now, um, as, as I sent it a WhatsApp, basically to say, in uh, Chicago, in the state of Illinois, in the, the late 60s and 70s, when they were having massive problems with crime and they needed more prisons, when they were running out of space, somebody had the bright idea of saying, well, listen, why build out when we can build up? So when they built the, night, the, the Chicago Metropolitan Facility in 1975, it's over 25 stories high. It's up instead of out. So they can get thousands of prisoners in there that's another option that the government should look at. Instead of having to worry, say, right, we need 50 acres of land like they had out in Thornton Hall. We only need five or ten. We can build one in the middle of the city. Killed a lot of boards then as well. People then who were complaining about Thornton Hall saying, oh, how do we get out there and all. That was one problem solved. You could build up. You could solve that problem. You could build a brand new modern facility. and It's a win-win. And you could have it where prisoners are in prison for crimes. So more prison, basically, or expanding space space is your your point on it. What about about you, Tony? Do you think we need harsher sentences? Uh, Well, the the reason I was responding was one of your previous callers um, was laying the blame of this somehow on left-wing politicians. Um, And as far as I'm aware, there's never been um, a left-leading government in the country. Mm. I know Labour have been part of the coalition in the past. But for the main part, it's been centre-right parties, Fianna Cam and Fianna Fáil, who have, who have led the governments in this country. So I think that was a complete red herring. As far as 
um, harsher sentencing goes. I think for a lot of people, the natural reaction, the kind of uh, gut instinct would be to say, harsher sentences, throw away the key, etc. But if you look worldwide, it hasn't really worked. The, the harsher the um, sentence just means that prisons can become very violent and dangerous places, not only for the, for the prisoners, but for the prison wardens and for the staff there. So I think Eli had, uh, had some interesting ideas um, when he opened up the conversation. I think it does need more kind of creative thinking in terms of um, sentencing mm. rather well, particularly than Particularly just... for, I mean, the point that I would make, Tony, about this, like particularly for repeat offences. And we see it all the time yeah. in the local papers. You know, somebody appears before the courts and they've string of previous convictions. Like, I, th- I think that's, that is the part that a lot of people would like to see somewhat considered. I think it's uh, probably um, a bigger topic rather than just uh, tinkering around the edges. In, in terms of, it would, it would need the government to, to really have a root and branch reform of the justice system. I think it's, it's probably not um, just confined to this country in terms of the way that it's looked at. Um, because if you look around the world, some of the, the more creative ways of sentencing, uh, I think it was mentioned community services, there are a lot of things that need doing in the country. And um, that may be uh, an avenue, even though it would go against a lot of people's instincts, rather than just throwing away the key and having a very harsh, um, harsh sentence regime. Um, let me bring in as well, Tony. I've Ruth with us. Ruth Maxwell is on the line. Ruth's a, a victim advocate, and um, because you were the victim of an attack, Ruth, a, a number of years ago, I'm interested in your thoughts on this around tougher sentences. My my attacker now is um, the the longest um, serving prisoner now in the Republic of Ireland with thirty four and a half years. Now, as of January, the statistics on the homicide offences like there are four hundred and twenty prisoners. Now, what I would love to see is a judge having the discretion to apply a sentence of life without parole, especially in all of those cases. Now, homicide is followed very closely by sexual offences, like January again, there was 526 cases. And then when you're coming into the repeat offences, like they should be mandatory consecutive sentences. And it's just clear cut because the the guideline sentence is never the same as the custodial sentence. Mm. And then when there's concurrent sentences, that's a totally different ballgame. So victims and secondary victims the realisation they get afterwards, and it could be months afterwards when they're given an estimated release date after the behaviour and a 25% remission and all, that is seriously damaging to families because the, the difference in the, the headline sentence to the custodial sentence can be massive, well, absolutely I, massive. I mean, you have, would know more about this, Ruth, than I, but I imagine that as the victim of crime, hearing that your attacker who has been before the courts, and I'm not even necessarily talking about in, in your case, but where somebody is handed down a concurrent sentence, I mean, if there's two victims involved, it must nearly feel like one victim gets no justice. Oh, and that is the case. And that's how you would be left to, to feel afterwards. And that is so damaging to the healing process for the victim, for their families, and then any other victims who might want to come forward. And it's misleading. It's really misleading. And to the general public as well. 
The idea, like the idea of having the um, the long term or the minimum term sentences, Ruth, or the whole life sentence, and that for the most heinous. Um, and serious crimes, as Eli mentioned at the start of the show today, that there would be no, no appearing before a parole board. Would you yes, support that? I would, because the judge should have the discretion to apply a sentence, stating that it's life without parole. We don't have that. And obviously for the, the most serious of crimes. And then the other ones that are less serious, like petty crime and, you know, drug addiction, non-failure TV licence shouldn't even get a look in. Mm. But, I mean, restorative justice-based community programmes that are mandatory. And if they are repeat offenders, that their families could be looked at at having to participate in these mandatory community programmes as well. And you know, it should be all over the country. Like, the most heinous of crimes, mm. they shouldn't get a look in, really. They really shouldn't. Like, there should be a lot more life without parole sentences handed down. Um, John is with us too, Ruth. John Lonergan, the former governor of Mountjoy Prison. Like, John, what Ruth's talking about there, having, you know, actual life sentences um, in many cases or in heinous cases where you wouldn't have people appearing before a parole board, would that help to keep people out of Mountjoy Prison? Um, not necessarily. Listen, I suppose the first thing is clarity. Because somebody has the right to appeal before appear before a parole board, gives them no right to release. And we have a system in place at the moment that, uh, when it's necessary, a person can serve the, uh, a, a total life sentence, meaning that they die in prison. But that system is there, and mm. so it's, it's at the discretion of the parole board now. Uh, and so a person has to prove themselves. Now, I, make the, I keep making the point that if a young man, uh, and, it's, and it's mostly men, uh, if he commits a very serious crime like murder at, at 20, and in 20 years' time he's 40, often that person is a completely different person in 20 years' time. Um, they grow up, they mature, they get uh, obviously a lot of help in prison if, if, they, if they're interested. And, uh, and so the parole board is satisfied that they, are, they present no risk to society on release. Well, then I think that's a very positive thing. And by the way, I know hundreds of people who have served life sentences, have re-entered society, some of them 25, 30, 40 years ago, and they have never re-offended. So our system, while it has its flaws, it's certainly a, a very positive system, I think, and it, is, and it still saves people. We have lots of people in prison who will, will never get out of prison. And, and so this idea that everybody because goes before the parole board is automatically released is just not true. Yeah, no, well, I don't know. I don't think anyone's suggesting that. But I suppose, Ruth, to your point, like, does that, you know, the system isn't perfect, but it's working. No. Yeah, but you cannot guarantee that a, a prisoner upon release will not reoffend. You cannot guarantee they can be rehabilitated in many cases. No, you most certainly cannot guarantee anything in relation to human behaviour. And I, I, I just make the point as well that you mentioned uh, that mandatory restorative justice practices, no restorative justice practices can be mandatory because the whole principle must be that the person entered into them uh, with full consent and, and an, an agreement and commitment to it. And that's why victims, uh, many victims will not participate in restorative practice because they cannot do that. And I understand that and accept that. And restorative justice will only work where both sides are voluntarily involved in it and are totally enthusiastic to try to make it work. There's an element of a, uh, retribution in it, there's a, a, an element of punishment in it, uh, but then there's also the, the, the principle 
possible that at the end of the process, the person can be reintegrated into society. So it has to be done on a voluntary basis. Chris, go on ahead, Ruth. Yeah, obviously, in the, in the area of, you know, petty theft and the, the lower scale kind of crimes, yes, of course, it, it can obviously make a difference. But then when you're looking at, you know, a lot of sexual offences cases and murder and everything, that no restorative justice would not work. Like, that's, you know, that is quite clear because victims may never, ever get over any any of the trauma that's been inflicted on them. So, you know, to put them in front of their perpetrator Yes, obviously, that's that's not always a very good idea. And you would have the odd case where, yes, it is successful. But, you know, to look at all of these different ways of trying to make society a little bit safer and a little bit better is what everybody mm. is really interested in. Um, let me bring in Christy as well for a moment. You, you wanted to make a point, Christy, on this. Yeah, I mean, I've been listening to your speakers, and I have to agree with most of what your speakers are talking about. But we have a system in this country... Yet, uh, where people are sentenced, and uh, I know from personal experience as a former member of the force, the Garda force, uh, going to court and seeing somebody with 20 or 30 convictions, and uh, they were given a six months uh, conviction, or out in three months, or whatever, or even less. Uh, the difficulty is that there isn't enough prison space. A lot of judges know that in advance, and they'll be before sentencing, but there are, that for the smaller crimes or the more menial crimes, let's say, that uh, there is not enough prison spaces in advance, and really those prison spaces are kept for people more, of more serious crimes. We know from CSO statistics too that recidivism is quite common, and the data released by CSO there that uh, over 44.5% of people released from prison in 2019 reoffended in the year following their release, and this is a decrease of 3% from 2018, but there is quite a, a turnover in relation to recidivism in this country. A sentencing in relation to sentencing, I think a graduated sentencing should be in place where there is repeat offending. And I don't think that that's sufficiently used or would be could be used in a better way like we have in America. John, is 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 that the real problem in 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 all of this? Like that, you know, we do, we don't hand down, we don't have harsher, stricter sentences handed down more frequently because we just don't have space in prisons. Is is that the real issue? Certainly, Andrea, it's a factor, um, and it, it plays a part in it. And and for the last thirty five, forty years, we have had an overcrowding problem in prison, and so it has become part of the culture. And people are being released for prison for no reason other than that to, to allow extra accommodation for new people. So that is certainly undermining the system. But at the other side of that is if we do imprison huge pr- uh, numbers of people for 12 months or less, uh, you know, uh, in terms of maybe 75 to 80 percent, two years or less. So we are inclined to use prison a lot in Ireland. I, I make the point myself that I, and, and I try to make that point regularly recently, that we should differentiate between violent crime and all other crimes. Because for me, violent crime is absolutely unacceptable in any format against any human being. So that there's, and if we're sentencing people and if we're increasing sentencing and we're getting tough on stuff, I would say we should get tough on violent crime. Violence against the person, whether that's young or old, man or woman, it doesn't matter. Very uh, few no who disagree with you, John, I can tell you, and that from the text line today. John Lonergan, former governor in Mount Joy, we'll leave it there for the moment. Also um, victims advocate Ruth Maxwell and to all the other callers who got in touch about this there's still plenty of people with very, very strong views about tougher sentencing in this country. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan Weekdays at midday on News Talk.